Hi, it's Gabby with you. Welcome to the first podcast episode of 2022 from My Possible Self, the mental health and wellness app that is clinically certified, recommended by the NHS, keeps the user's needs in mind and is still completely free to download and use. Stress, widely reported to be the number one proxy killer, and yet, for the most part, we resign ourselves to the fact that it is part of our life, and there is nothing we can do about it. But actually, there's quite a lot. Stress overburdens your mind with worry, and if this becomes a long-term problem, it can lead to mental health illnesses such as anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. Chronic headaches, digestive issues, irregular menstrual cycles, fertility problems, weight gain, weight loss, high blood pressure, insomnia, erratic mood swings are just some of the common health problems that we have to contend with when stressed. Not exactly a walk in the park. Bottom line, everyone will have to deal with stress at some point in their life but those who can manage their stress well tend to live longer and healthier lives knowing how to manage stress can benefit your entire life and those around you too and that's why we asked psychotherapist and author of the stress relief workbook jess henley very much an expert on this subject to help us understand the intricate and complex world of stress Today, you are going to learn how to identify, tackle, and even prevent stress from escalating. And there's nobody on the planet that won't benefit from listening to this conversation. So let's proceed with the episode. Welcome, Jess Henley. Thank you so much for talking about such a a big and broad subject yeah which is stress and um <laughs> you know we're chatting in january start of a new year and it's been not just a stressful holiday period for so many people but a stressful couple of years and i'm i'm so looking forward to like basically unraveling what exactly is stress and then learning how we can sort of treat it better and there's more to it than meets the eye right there definitely is. I mean, it's, it's something which I think everybody feels at some point in their lives. And of course, some people experience it a lot worse than others. But it's something that what I believe on whatever level you experience stress, there are tools, there are ways to help reduce it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I'm aiming to help people reduce stress levels and so that they can be feel calmer, feel more grounded, especially like you said, at a time like this where it's just so uncertain out there, you know. Um, so it's it's important to be able to have some tools to help you within. Mm, yeah, we're just constantly being thrown curveball after curveball, uh, and nobody mm. can escape it. So a little bit about you first. So you're a psychotherapist. Uh, your practice is yeah. in London. Imagine a lot of it is done via video calls at the moment. Yeah, it's it's kind of I kind of try to do half and half. I'm still offering face to face sessions because I believe that they're so valuable, but of course at the moment it's quite hard for quite a lot of people to access um and also I have um clients from actually all over the world so some people who are British but may not live in the UK can then access therapy and things like that so it gives access to people who in other circumstances might not be able to have therapy. Is it true that you 
and this is me doing a little bit of snooping on the internet. Were you a beauty editor before you moved over into the world of mental health? Yes, that is true. I was. I um, had a career on all the kind of women's glossy magazines and um, started out there. Wow. Yeah, I started off as a travel writer to start and then got into the beauty world and then worked my way up to the beauty director. Um, but so writing has always been a part of me. What I've always loved is writing. Um, but my kind of before that, um, I did a degree in psychology um, and I kind of I think when I was at university, I always knew it was what I wanted to pursue, kind of go down the therapy route. But I was very aware that at the age of 22, I had no life experience and I can't really be a therapist without life experience. So I kind of always knew it was going to be something I would come back to. Um, and go off and kind of live my life a bit mm. um, and then at the age of like 27 28 it started calling me back again and that's when I started retraining wow so it really was a calling then yeah really it does it feels like it it really does amazing you're author of the little stress relief workbook which is just so nifty that you can kind of put in your back pocket and sort of pick up and it's not like um like I've read bits when I've been traveling and, you know, you can pick it up here and there. It's, it's sort of a really handy thing to have in, in your toolkit. So how did that come about? Um, well, to be really honest, I think it was through my journalistic background and having worked a lot that when I um, moved into more mental health writing um, and then a lot of the old, because um, obviously in the beauty, the beauty in magazines is also a lot of well-being and that kind of thing so then mm. once I'd moved mm -hmm. across a lot of my old kind of peers were contacting me asking me for quotes and things like that um, to help them with any kind of mental health stories they were writing um, and off the back of that um, the publishers approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a, a, a workbook for them um, which I jumped at the opportunity and then obviously um, I said could I do it about stress um, because it's something that's just so common it's everywhere you know you see it in everyday life all the time and everybody feels it so I thought that would be one of the things that could be most useful um, and of course as a therapist I see it so much in the therapy room so I kind of felt like it was something I wanted to share on the wider kind of circuit. Yeah it's, it's a word that we use a lot I'm so stressed I'm so stressed but I'd love you to sort of kick things off to define what exactly is stress what does it mean when we are stressed I guess it means different things for different folks. Yeah it does I think essentially if it's when you're you're in a scenario where you're feeling overwhelmed or unable to cope um, that tends to be when you're actually stressed. Obviously it can galvanize action it can make you do things so it's not necessarily always a negative thing um, but generally it's when you're feeling overwhelmed and you find that your mind starts to buzz and it, it, you kind of ruminate quite a lot about the scenario um, but yeah it's, it's, it's overwhelm and 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 not being able to cope and something you clarified right at the beginning of the workbook is the difference between acute stress and chronic stress. And it's chronic stress, which is when things are, are particularly worrying, like it's natural for us to experience acute stress. Am I right in saying that? Yes, exactly. So acute stress is something which, like I said, everybody will feel. So for example, if you were sitting on a train going to work and it gets stuck outside the station for 10 minutes you might find yourself getting really stressed because you've got a meeting that's that's 
going to start and you're not going to be there and it starts worrying you. That kind of stress will then, hopefully it should pass when you get to work, you're in the meeting. The moment of the stress often is forgotten. So it's like, oh God, yeah, that was awful this morning, but you know, it doesn't stay with you very much. It kind of, it's in the moment and then it passes. That's kind of acute stress. Chronic stress is more when it's ongoing. It's something which is triggering you consistently over days, weeks, months, years even. Um, and it's something, so it could be something to do with your circumstance, like as opposed to an individual meeting, it's your job as a whole or a family situation or there, you know, a friendship situation or there are various things that it could be, um, but there tends to be a specific trigger to it if it's ongoing stress. In a typical stress response, your heart rate goes up, your blood vessels constrict, and this is one of the reasons chronic stress is sometimes associated with cardiovascular disease, which is really serious. And they do say stress is the number one proxy killer. So stress isn't to be taken lightly, even though everybody experiences it, like especially when it's chronic stress, it's something that we should address, right? We shouldn't just accept it. No, exactly. So when you're, if you're chronically stressed, then you're in a heightened state of arousal a lot of the time. And that's not, that's not a healthy way for your body to be. Um, and it can lead to all sorts of issues like you've just named one. But for example, if you're really stressed, you might notice that your shoulders really tense up. You might then notice that you get a crick in your neck, that that leads on to further back issues, which then can lead on to you being unable to do your job or look after your children. And then that will add more stress on top because you're not functioning in a way that you want to function and the whole thing can totally spiral out of control and so it can have huge impacts on on people's lives even if it's not even though like I said before stress tends to have a specific trigger it can then you know it's got the ripple effect it can then like ripple out into all sorts of aspects of your of your life which is why a lot of the time in the book, I refer back to going to the trigger of your stress, trying to figure out what that is, because if you can remove the pebble, then the ripples won't be there. Um, so you're kind mm. of wanting to go right to the heart of the issue. Mm. But what if the heart, well, this is probably not the heart of the issue then, but you know, some people will flip at the slightest thing and it's probably because they are in a constant state of fight or flight. So it's something that's, I mean, I do have to think about my mum in this respect. Like yesterday, she really went over the top because she was putting away the Christmas decorations and she dropped an elf and it smashed. My mother has a million, she's one of those that she's like Mrs. Christmas. It was like, it triggered something because she's really stressed about various other things where she just absolutely erupted. Mm. So is that when you're talking about the pebble the pebble's not the elf in this respect no definitely not the pebble was one of the ripples right I think it's it is it's that kind of that that perfect kind of storm really where everything kind of comes together and then you explode at something I think if if you notice if you can obviously it's very sometimes it can be very hard in the moment and this is one of those things that practice 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 can help if you notice that your reaction is disproportionate to the event that's happened, so for example, your mum smashing an elf, it sounds like her reaction was disproportionate to the actual event, mm. then you know that it's mm -hmm. actually about something else. That's not what triggered her. There will be something much, you know, much deeper that has been triggered as a result of this. And that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And so therefore the whole thing kind of exploded. So yeah, if 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 your reaction is disproportionate, and I know in the in the moment it can seem difficult to a 
acknowledge that but hopefully with a bit of um, practice you can even if it's you know three days later or four days later you can look back at that and be like oh maybe maybe that was a bit extreme and therefore begin to bring in curiosity I wonder what was really going on for me I wonder what was going on underneath so then slowly slowly peeling back the onion layers to try to understand what the trigger was Mm. And I want to move on in a moment to the different symptoms that stress can manifest on the body um, in like the various different ways. But um, before before we go on to that, I think quite a few of these symptoms would be similar to anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so how do we differentiate, especially if we're somebody that suffers with anxiety, how do we know whether it's anxiety or if we're stressed or is it a combination of the both? I mean, often stress and anxiety come hand in hand, um, but what tends to be the biggest difference is that if you're stressed, there is a trigger. If it's anxiety, it will latch onto anything in order to be felt. So if, yeah, if you find out that if, if you're stressed about a situation and the situation gets resolved, and then the next day you feel just as anxious but about something totally different um then you know that it's actually just anxiety that's just latching on to something else that's one of the very difficult things about anxiety is that it, it, it's a bit like a leech it will just sucker on to where it can and so that it will then start bringing up all the yeah. symptoms um yeah so mm. I, I mean, I think in, in the current situation, I've seen it quite a lot of people who have been extremely uh, worried about catching COVID um, and they've lived for, you know, the past almost two years with that fear. They then catch it. They feel OK when they have it. Um, and then as soon as they're better, instead of feeling, oh, my God, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I've asked quite a lot, do you feel better now that you've experienced COVID and that anxiety's gone, the fear of catching it's gone, it, 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 you, you've lived through it. And it's like, no, I'm now anxious, I'm going to get the other, other variants, or I'm now anxious that this is going to happen. So there's no relief, it's just gone on to the next thing. And so that's just a general anxiety that's moving on, as opposed to a stress right. about the specific incident. Right, incident, yeah, got you. So so what are some of the symptoms we should be looking out for then, emotionally, physically and mentally? Um, well, so kind of what tends to happen when you're stressed, you tend to breathe really high up in your chest. Um, so you might notice that your breathing is short and sharp and it's up high. Um, the ideal place to breathe is deep down, which we can go on to talk about later because it's one of the key ways to help relieve stress is to breathe properly. Um, and you can also notice you've got sweaty palms, you can't concentrate very well, your thoughts are spiraling all the time. Um, yeah, you're constantly on edge. I think losing focus is a really big thing. You can't sleep very well, you might have insomnia. Um, so those are quite a lot of the different things that can happen. And then, of course, emotionally, again, you're not very present. Um, you might notice if you're really stressed about something at work, you might notice that even at home, you can't stay focused on your children or you can't cook dinner or you can't, you know, you just you're just not very present. And emotionally, it, it, you can feel very unstable. You can feel you're triggered very easily. If you're very stressed, you can be triggered very easily, whether it's by something your partner said, your children, something you've seen on TV, something you hear someone on the bus say next to you. It's, you're very sensitive to being triggered when you're very stressed. 
And what about when we turn to things to comfort us um, in times of stress, like alcohol or chocolate or a Chinese takeaway or whatever it might be, cigarettes? They're not necessarily, we know, that good for us. Um, what's I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Like, what do you think? Oh, you know, do what you need to to feel better in the moment, or is this kind of like I think with everything, putting a band aid over a big gaping wound. <laughs> yeah, I think often that that is definitely what's happening. It's a way to numb the stress. So if you're eating something that's, it tends to be something that's considered a treat. So, you know, whether it's a cigarette or a drink or whatever it might be. And of course, within reason, and if everything is balanced and having a treat to help relieve stress, that's okay. Like, you know, but it's when that treat becomes a need and then it becomes something that becomes a bit distorted and it's not quite so beneficial for you if you need to have that drink every single night or that drink's turning into a bottle of wine every single night then you notice that it's becoming it's numbing more and more and again that's essentially what's happening is you're numbing the feeling of stress um, and so then what will happen is it will scream louder in other ways so although in the moment it might feel better it will then you might notice that when you're not having that drink the stress feels even more because what our bodies are trying to do what I believe we're all trying to do is get to a place of equilibrium and peace and balance and if your body feels that it's out of balance then it's going to do something to try and help you get back into balance so if you don't listen to it it's just going to scream a bit louder and say oi hi you need to calm down and if you don't calm down oh I'm going to have to shout a bit louder because you're not listening to that so then your body just starts talking to you louder and louder and louder. So the stress could manifest more and more. Mm. And and so getting that quick fix that from that candy bar or glass of wine or whatever it is. And then, like you said, maybe it leads on to a few glasses or a bottle. And then the cravings, you start to crave it, don't you, right? Because like you said, it's that reward. And so you've had another stressful day because it's a stressful time. And so we might even acknowledge that that's where it's coming from, but our, the cravings are really intense. So mm. have you got any tips for like how we can sort of, you know, it takes a lot of willpower, well, for me personally, to keep my hand away from the packet of biscuits. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it's a really hard thing. And I think, the first thing is to try to bring awareness and to to the situation. So to start off with, even though you know cognitively, or somebody might obviously some people do it totally subconsciously, but people if they're aware that they're having a drink because they feel stressed, maybe sit there for thirty seconds, start with thirty seconds, then move on to a minute, whatever, allowing yourself to feel whatever it is you're trying to numb by having the drink so bringing curiosity what is this actually covering up okay so oh I don't like this feeling it feels really uncomfortable and then go ahead have the drink I'm not saying don't do it but just each time just try to notice what it is that you're covering because then you're giving yourself an awareness about what it is that your body is trying to tell you because it's only if you numb it straight away you're never going to hear the message so it's trying to understand what, what your body is trying to tell you. And then more and more, as you sit with it, oh, this feels really uncomfortable, but I can do 45 seconds today. 
I can do it. And then you have your drink or whatever. Just try and extend that moment longer and longer until eventually it's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to sit with the discomfort. I'm going to sit with the feeling of stress. I'm not going to have that drink. I'm not going to have that treat or whatever it might be. Um, until you just allow yourself to feel whatever it is that is going on for you. So this is where you're applying some mindfulness techniques, isn't it? Which I know that you are a big fan of um, and that you recommend a lot with, with your clients. Yeah, it's in mindfulness, being in the present, being in the now, um, which is, again, one of the key things to um, helping overcome symptoms of stress. Because stress tends to live in the future or in the past about something that's already happened about a future event that's going to happen or something again that we've said is ongoing if it's chronic stress like my job tomorrow or whatever it may be whereas if you can be in the present in the now whatever you're doing so the next moment doesn't matter and the past doesn't matter then instantly that moment is tends to be okay that you can do that moment and then you can do the next one and then you can do the next one and it helps bring down the stress because the stress can be an accumulation of what you think is going to happen we don't actually know what's going to happen we don't know what the future holds it's it's you know who who knows but what we do know is what's happening right here right now and in the right here right now i'm okay and so that can then build and build and build Mm. and help bring stress down something that i hadn't thought about it in this way before in in the workbook was considering internal and external factors of stress mm-hmm. um could you expand on that a little bit for us please so your kind of your external factors are things which are more like uh, your job your environment um people around you um events that are going on so anything that's kind of outside of you as a person your internal ones are things more like um, your beliefs your perceptions um, the stories that you're telling yourself so it's everything that's going on in your internal world and often what's going on is um, you're telling yourself stories about what's going to happen and they're not necessarily true your mind can lie but your body can't and that's going back to mindfulness is one of the key things is if you bring yourself back to your body all the time it will give you so much information Mm. and surely one could cloud the other especially like I'm thinking of like the external factor might be something but it's that your mind is and this plays into perception right that your mind is making it a bigger deal than maybe it would be to another person yes so that is, yeah, that's good. That goes right down to your perception. So I think in, in my book, I give the example of um, being stuck in a traffic jam when you're going to visit your mother and your partner next to you isn't bothered at all. Whereas the, you're sitting there really winding yourself up. And what's going on is this, this is kind of going into your kind of core belief. So it's kind of unpicking your trigger. Why is being stuck in this traffic jam triggering you? And so when you dig deeper, it's because because I'm going to be late. My mum always thinks I'm late. She thinks I'm lazy when I'm late. So it's kind of going to much deeper issues than just sitting there. Whereas 
the partner in the car might not have any of those issues. He's never been told that he's lazy. He's never been told that he's always late. So therefore the concept of being late doesn't bother him at all. So you've got two people in exactly the same situation who are reacting totally differently. And that is all down to the perception. And that's something that you've built up from your childhood, your, your core beliefs about who you are as a person and the impact that that has on other people. So it's kind of quite important to, in that scenario, you kind of un, you kind of want to go back to facts. What are the exact facts in this situation? The exact fact is, I left 20 minutes early. I'm stuck in a traffic jam because there's a crash. I can't do anything about it. Those are all factual. Therefore, I'm not lazy. I'm not always late. And kind of bringing it back to reality instead of talking about you know how your mind can lie. Your mind's just gone on into the future about all these perceptions which aren't actually true mm. at all moving from like belief driving behavior to um projection and again sorry mum but she is the queen of doing this and it just seems she can be very when she's super stressed she's super volatile and again like the elf example earlier on in the pod it's something small it's not the real heart of the issue but like I, my my sort of two questions to you about when somebody is unburdening themselves and it's not usually it's not very pleasant when this happens to you, I guess the two questions are, number one, I'm that person who just has to release whatever's going on at the person closest to me usually. Mm-hmm. How can I work on that? And two, I'm the person that's taking on somebody else's shit, pardon my French. <laughs> and um, how how can I sort of shield myself from that? Because it can be really hurtful. And if you're sensitive, like I, I am, I will carry that with me where my mother's released and she feels much better and mm. I'm scarred for the next two days. Yeah. What do you say to that? <laughs> so, yeah, and that, again, projection is something everybody does. Um, and it can be, like you just said, horrific to be on the receiving end of someone's negative projections. Um, and if you're the person who's doing the projecting, the first thing is awareness. It is, it is without awareness, you, you can't you can't get out of it because you're not aware that you're even doing it so the first thing is to begin to be aware and again noticing like I said earlier that if it was disproportionate okay that well, I shouldn't have shouted at them that badly um so therefore what was my trigger beginning to understand your trigger so yourself understanding where you were triggered um and 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 kind of understanding when a stressful situation for you can be projecting onto other people. Also beginning to bring an awareness to the impact that you're having on other people, noticing, because when everybody scatters around you because you've been not very pleasant, then you're kind of aware, how does that make you feel? What's going on for you when this scenario happens? It is very difficult because often projections and triggers are coming from a very, very young place and they're coming from, you know, story that has built up over years and years so you're just slowly beginning to unpick it bring awareness bring curiosity to it and begin to understand kind of what you're doing and how you might be impacting others um but that's that's very difficult if the person doesn't want to do that there's no there's nothing you can do about it that's why being on the receiving end is can be really tricky because the other person if they don't want to change they won't if you point it out to them 
every day and they don't want to change, they won't. They won't even hear what you're saying. So it's kind of about understanding how to protect yourself, protect your boundaries, make sure that they're kind of somehow understanding that's their stuff. That's not about me. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. she screams at me. But again, going back to facts, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I didn't do that. But this isn't actually about me. This is your stuff. You can have it back. I'm not going to take it with me for the next two weeks. You can have it. And kind of building a firm boundary around what the other person's doing. Also, having the strength. And again, I understand, especially in family situations, this can be very difficult because it might not be something that you've ever done before. But having the strength to just not engage and just kind of say, do you know what? This, I'm, I'm not actually going to stay for this. So I'm just going to walk out. So the one thing you really don't want to do is engage in the energy because then it just builds and builds and builds and and tit for tatting doesn't help so it's all about diffusing the situation by removing yourself you can't remove the other person you can just remove yourself from the situation and what if what if the other person is like a dog with a bone maybe it's a partner who you know needs to get it out of off their chest out of their system or whatever and you you try and walk away and i love that idea of being like you know what this is your stuff you can have it back mm. <laughs> yeah it's like this coat doesn't fit yeah, you don't necessarily need to say that to them no, no 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 but i like that it's like putting on the coat and then going nope doesn't fit me you can have it yeah. back <laughs> it's yours you know i do wonder when that person just is like a dog with a bone because we all know that that can happen too right that yeah it's it's sometimes hard to remove yourself especially if you live in the same house yeah it can Maybe be it's very a hard it can be very hard to remove yourself especially physically and so but what you can do is remove yourself mentally and that can be something which you can practice there is um you can do these um, meditations finding your safe space somewhere that you feel is totally yours that nobody can get in and so if someone is literally going at you if you continue you get into your deep breathing and you imagine yourself in your safe space and you can have you can build into that an internal mantra again you can't get in I'm safe I'm in my safe space you're not allowed in and you're just saying this within yourself and kind of creating this kind of internal boundary or even putting on your coat of armor or um, you can put on this kind of mirrored armor that just reflects back out to you all this energy is going back out back out back out so it can't get in you're kind of protecting your inner being your kind of your soul as it were from all this toxic energy that's coming at you so you're just internally not allowing it to come in and using your imagination is so powerful and it can really help you out of situations like that of course there are extreme situations where you need to remove yourself physically from the environment and of course that can be extremely difficult um, and that's something else entirely um, that needs proper help but in this kind of situation you can um, yeah use remove yourself emotionally and just retreat behind your boundary internally so that all this stuff just can't get in 
I love that the the idea of an armor of mirrors yeah. <laughs> just reflecting back that's I'm definitely going to try that one for sure <laughs> just taking it back to I'm the stressed person um not necessarily somebody that projects but just carrying a lot of stress like what what have you found for yourself and for your clients what are some helpful things that help bust stress so the, the one of the key things is learning to breathe properly. If you can do that, it can be so incredibly helpful. So when we're stressed, we breathe high up in our chest and we're not really feeding our body in the way that it needs. If you can take your breath deep down into your abdomen. So um, I always say, imagine a place that's two inches below your belly button and a third of the way into your stomach. Then you breathe in through your nose and it can be helpful to imagine that there's a golden light going down into your body and each inhale takes four seconds, each exhale takes four seconds and just regulate your breathing down to this very deep, slow space. It's so grounding. Um, so you can use that. It's something the more you practice, the better and the more useful it will become. So it's the kind of thing you can do literally anywhere, anywhere that you remember when you're driving. Okay, oh yeah, I should practice my breathing. When you're um, literally doing anything, just remember to breathe until it becomes more of a kind of second nature. Because if you're stressed all the time, you're always breathing up high. And I mean, one thing which I often get my clients to do is to do both. So I'm like, okay, we'll do a breathing exercise. And I ask them to breathe really high in their chest. And then I ask them to switch it up and breathe deep into that abdomen and, and notice what's the difference. How do you feel? What, what's kind of going on? And every time they say they feel more grounded, more solid, more stable and calmer when they're breathing into their stomach. So once you've kind of got the knack of it, you can then use it in stressful situations. So if going back to someone having a go at you, you you focus on your breathing. This is coming at you, but you focus on your breathing. Or if you're about to go into a meeting and you're doing the presentation, maybe take yourself off to the loo for like two minutes before and just sit there and do a real deep breathing for a minute. Just get yourself calm, get yourself steady before you go back. And then every time in the meeting, you might notice someone asks you a question and you notice, oh, panic kicks in. And then up, breathe, I'm going to breathe, I'm going to take it back down, I can do this, I can breathe. And so it just, it can stabilise you, not only in the moment, but then in the long term as well. So it's, it's mm. one of the key, key things to helping reduce stress. That's reminded me, actually, I know that you, you do cover helping people when it's like stress from in the workplace, which is huge, tops a lot of lists of like being one of the main sort of stress triggers. For me, when I worked for a, a huge company, global company, a lot of kudos with it, which meant a lot of ego. It was the kind of world I was working within. And it got to a point where there'd be a, a couple of people where if I saw I got an email from them, even just getting an email in the inbox, I'd immediately start to feel feel jittery, like I was almost like waiting for something unpleasant to pop out of the screen. So could that be another incident where the breathing would help? Yeah, exactly that. You start breathing and before you open the email, you're like, okay, again, you're bringing awareness. I know this person brings me stress. I know this person triggers me. Yeah. So what am I going to do first? I'm going to breathe deeply. I'm going to calm myself. And then I'm going to click into the email. And, and then uh, I'm going to put the armored suit on. And then, and then I'm going to click. Yeah. And then I, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to reflect it yeah. all back at the screen. Yeah. yeah and I'm going to call myself Lord Gabby. 
Castle and nobody can touch Lord Gabby. Exactly. <laughs> I really loved your chapter in the book, I Should, or, mm. or just like basically getting rid of that word should. And again, I just was like, that's so clever and you just don't really think of it. But I was like, gosh, what if we all just did chuck out this what we've all put on ourselves, I should mm. do this, I should do that. And then, like, how different life should be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Shoulding yourself is something that, again, everybody does. It's something we've probably all been doing since we were learned to talk, because not only we will have heard our parents doing it, and, oh, I should take up the bins, or I should do this, and you should do that, and you should have done your homework. And I don't, there's never anything positive about it. It's a very negative um, way to think. So it's kind of like trying to bring yourself back into, again, back into the present, being where you are in the moment. I should be going for a run, but I'm not. I'm sat here on the sofa and it's okay. Or I would like to go for a run later. So again, trying to really remove it from your language because you're, it's negative talk that you're doing to yourself all the time. Um, and it's kind of like a, a cognitive distortion, which is when your mind is kind of disrupting your thought process um, and giving you beliefs that aren't actually true. So if we were going back to the workplace scenario, I should have said that, then I would have got the job. It's like, well, that's not actually true. You didn't say that, but nor do you know if you would have got the job. Otherwise, you're distorting the truth. It's not actually a fact. You're using a should word to turn something into a fact which isn't a fact, it's not a fact at all. You might not have got the job and that might not be why you didn't get it anyway. So it's kind of like taking it away from that. Or I think classically in dating, I should look like this and then this will happen. That's not necessarily true at all. So yeah, taking it out, taking that negative attachment to yourself but away. Well, yeah, that's just that's just so liberating. So, what about good stress then? Like, when because stress isn't all bad. Sometimes we need a bit of stress. Um, you know, if we're being chased by a bear, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stress isn't all bad. I think, like we talked about at the beginning, the difference between acute and chronic stress. And yes, in a, an acute stressful situation, um, it it can be galvanizing. It can save your life. Um, it can you know, in extreme circumstances, like being chased by a bear or jumping off a sinking ship or whatever it might be, that it can save your life. But it, it can also like galvanize you into action. It can make you do things. It kind of, it's, a, it's an energy within you. It's an energy force. You can feel it. So when you're stressed, you feel it. It's like your body's buzzing. You can really feel everything spinning around. And if you can tap into that energy and use it to actually do something, then it can be really good. It's obviously when it's just ongoing and not going anywhere, just literally buzzing around and around and around and around, around in your body, that then it's, it's not good at all. But when it's something that then, like I said, galvanizes action, um, then it can be, it's a positive thing. I think with everything, it's about balance. You know, everything has got its um, benefits and its negative side. So there, of course, there can be benefits to, to being yeah and actually just going back to some of the stress relievers um or that can help reduce some some stress it's talked about quite a lot it's quite a, a commonly known thing about moving your body in whatever way shape or form is is that something that you personally recommend yeah i think for me tapping into your body and um and what the information that it holds is 
just so unbelievably powerful and again moving your body and just using it so our bodies are basically just balls of energy this energy is flowing around us all the time you know think your blood flowing around all the neurons that are firing in your body there's so much energy in your body and so it's about getting it to flow in the optimum way and also listening to it when it's stuck so you might notice it when you get a really bad tummy ache and or you get I think a really good example of how your body tells you something is you might be about to go on a date or about to have an interview or whatever. And even before you've remembered, you're, you've got butterflies in your stomach. So your body is giving you yeah. information before you've even thought about it. So again, yeah. it's like tuning into it and listening to it. So then if it's about moving your body because your body's like, that's what it wants to do, then yeah, I, I just go with it, really go with it. Mm, that's amazing advice. A lot of people would argue that whether it's good stress or bad stress, sleeping is just, it's out of the question. Without giving it everything away, because I do want people to get your the Little Stress Relief Workbook because it's just so helpful. Yeah, just in terms of like people that are insomniacs and it's they they put it down to being so stressed. Mm. Um, what, what do you say to those people? I think obviously sleep deprivation is extremely difficult and it it spirals because when you're tired, then you feel more stressed, etc. So it is a vicious circle. So there are a couple of things which I think are really key. Um, if you can, for those who can meditate, it's trying to meditate while you're going to sleep. It's emptying your mind. Your The stress is in your head. It's a cognitive thing. Obviously, you feel it physically, but it's the thoughts. Most often, it's the thoughts that are buzzing around in your head that are keeping you awake. So it's about trying to empty your mind. And again, using the breathing, using meditation and mindfulness to get out of kind of the buzzing head. Um, and the other thing, which is so important, I think, is routine. Um, and I'm aware that you can't necessarily stick to the same time every night especially some people with their work and with their jobs and things like that but it's about like keying up your body to know that that's what's about to happen so every night have the same routine so don't just you know oh I'm so knackered and jump into bed with all your makeup on and you know whatever it's like whether it's a 15 minute routine or of course if it's half an hour however long it is just stick to the same routine every single night because then you're telling your body this is what I'm about to do I'm about to go to sleep and then it starts to understand that that's what's happening I think it's really good if you look at um people who you know with children routine is so important every kind of sleep expert who is trying to help any struggling parents with their children's sleep it's routine routine mm -hmm. routine 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 mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. thing when you're an adult you just stick to a routine giving your body signals and then it will it will make it easier i can't think it's going to get rid of it but it again mm -hmm. one of those things over time should help mm -hmm. kind of reduce make going to sleep a bit easier Mm, fantastic so final question we live in a world full of stress from global to national to local to personal do you just believe everybody no matter the circumstance can live a less stressful life if they've got the right tools yes i do i definitely do i think all the, all your stress i think the most important thing is the way that you manage it that is the key so although you might not be able to change your circumstance or the chaos that is going on around you, you can change how you react to it. And so that's the key thing is understanding yourself, your triggers, and therefore reducing the impact 
that the external has on your internal world. Oh, that's brilliant. Jess, where can people find you if they want to, I don't know, learn more, just keep on top of what you're doing? And So my website is henleypsychotherapy.co.uk. And then I'm also um, on the the ACT website and the counselling directory website and things Mm -hmm. like that. And like I said, I do both face-to-face and online work. So available globally. <laughs> Amazing. And the little stress relief workbook, that's widely available as well. Like I I think I've got I got it twice and one one time was on Amazon and that came within like a day. Um yeah. you know, other distributors are available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Jess, thanks again. This has been truly fab. Good. Well, thank you very much. And that, my friends, wraps up another episode of the My Possible Self podcast. It's Gabby back with you. Huge thanks to Jess Henley for allowing us to deep dive into the world of stress. I hope you really got some great takeaways out of that conversation. I know that I did. And if you enjoyed this episode and, in fact, the podcast, and you'd like to help support us, please share it with your pals, post about it maybe on social media, or leave us a rating and a review. Everything helps. And to catch up on all the latest from the My Possible Self camp, the best way is to find and follow us on socials. We are at My Possible Self on Instagram and Twitter. Until the next one, do take care. Bye.